Hey guys, welcome back to Recalibrate, the mindset podcast designed to help you break free from the old and press on to the new. I hope you guys are having a great start of 2021. I know it's been a little crazy, it's been a little different, but as long as we calibrate and recalibrate, in other words, as long as we unlearn old habits and learn new ones, getting rid of those old mindsets and paradigms, we will be able to make this year a very different year for your own benefit, but it all depends on you. If you are a subscriber, I want to say thank you for following this podcast. If you are new to this podcast, well, I welcome you. I hope that you get more than you expect. Would you take a few minutes after you've listened to this podcast episode and give us a five-star rating, of course, nothing less than a five. <laughs> and also, would you leave a positive comment, leave us some feedback that feedback helps fuel the passion and the purpose and obviously uh, motivates me to continue putting out content to benefit you, to help you grow and to fulfill whatever it is that you're trying to accomplish in life. Today's episode is a very special one. This is the very first time that I have a guest speaker. We have a guest with us today. Her name is Maria Bridwell. She's a, a dear friend of mine. I've known her for about six, seven years now. I won't, uh, I'll do just a very simple introduction. I'll let her kind of introduce herself. Maria Bridwell is an educator. She is a principal for an elementary and middle school. She is also a doctoral candidate in educational leadership with Liberty University. She recently spoke uh, at the National Association of Elementary School Principals. She delivered a powerful message on growth mindset. After listening to her content, I was compelled to have her come on over and share with you. So I'm gonna let her introduce herself and uh, talk a little bit about where she's from, how she came over to the United States, and what she's up to these days. So Maria Bridwell, we wanna welcome you to Recalibrate with Milton. You have a lot of people that uh, connect with us every week to listen, to learn, and to grow, and I know that today will not be the exception. I know that they're listening, that they will learn, and they will grow. So welcome to Recalibrate. Thank you, Milton, for um, having me here. I just wanna, First of all, say that's what an honor it is to, to be here and be a guest in your podcast. I listen to it every week, so I am very honored to be here. Well, but you got to tell the listeners that not only do you listen to this podcast, but you listen to this podcast as you're going out on a three-mile run. Isn't that right? <laughs> that is that is true, yeah, so, yes. So one of the things you need to know about Maria also that uh, she probably will forget to mention is that she is a marathon runner just as I am, and we have run some of those races together. And uh, so it's it's been a real privilege, Maria, mm -hmm. watching you uh, grow and evolve, and uh, not only in the academic department, but also spiritual, emotional, and mm -hmm. physical. Uh, we are a a uh, you know we're not just a mind, but we're also a body and a spirit. And so Maria has understood that very well. So so yeah, so she runs and she listens to this podcast. Yes, I sure do. It's uh, it's one of those things that really keeps me going and motivated, Milton. So That's I awesome. really appreciate that. That's awesome. <laughs> So tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay. Um, so I grew up in the Philippines, and I was over there for 13 years before my family and I moved here to the U.S. 
And my mom, I guess, always has had this dream of coming to the U.S. so she can give us, our family, a better life. And so um, when I was about eight or nine years old, she got a contract from one of the hospitals here in the U.S. Mm -hmm. to work here for several years. And so I was without my mom for about two or three years um, as she fulfilled that contract. And so growing up without a mom was very difficult. You know, uh, moms are usually very nurturing and, and all of those things. And I, I had to, in a way, um, figure out so many things um, when I was younger because of not having her in, in my life. Not that she wouldn't talk to us over the phone. I, I mean, over there, at that, there wasn't a whole lot of uh, cell phones or anything like that around that time. And so our communication was very limited. And um, I learned a lot of things uh, growing up without her. But it also, in a way, I guess, made me uh, learn resilience. And so becoming resilient in times of difficulties and adversities, having, in a sense, to overcome those Without, without my mom. Wow. Well, stop right yeah. there. Stop right there because that's all good stuff. But that you just mentioned resilience. And, uh, and I can say because I know Maria's story, I can mm-hmm. say that she had to learn resilience the hard way. And that's, that's how we, most of us learn resilience. Mm-hmm. But for those that are uh, listening right now, that, uh, that word might be a, a new term. Mm-hmm. Resilience might be a, a new word for them and they don't really understand. I don't want the Webster's uh, Dictionary uh, defi- definition, but how would you uh, define resilience, Maria? I would say that resilience is a way to overcome adversity in a healthy or functional manner. That's great. You know, that, that, that's perfect. That's actually uh, better than the Webster's Dictionary. <laughs> <laughs> but let me tell you, I think that resilience is also, you know, there are metals that are resilient, and a resilient metal is one that can be bent, run over, and, mm, uh, you know, yeah. put, I guess you can, in other words, you can apply affliction to it. And then once the affliction is gone, it goes back to its same shape again. I don't know if that makes any sense, but, mm-hmm. but that's resilience mm-hmm. to me is, uh, someone who can get pushed around, go through affliction, go through pain and suffering and get back up again. Mm-hmm. Without just, uh, you know, versus other people who just sit there on the sidelines nursing their wounds crying. Mm-hmm. And so that's that's how I see resilience, mm-hmm. wouldn't you say? I would say so. Yeah, a lot of people who are resilient, I feel, they focus more on finding solutions rather than focusing on the problem. And I think with, with a lot of people, they focus on their adversity, they focus on their, dis- on their difficulties that they're going through, that they end up... Um, having destructive thoughts about the situation or about themselves. And so having resilience really is is turning that adversity and making it work for them instead of against them in a way that they learn from it and then they grow from it. You know that I integrate, uh, you know, theology, spirituality, and, and psychology in this podcast. You know, there is a scripture that I am reminded of constantly, and I'm sure that you are reminded also, Maria, is that Christ said... In this life, you shall have affliction, mm. but rejoice, I've overcome the world. Mm-hmm. You know, there's another, there's another verse that says uh, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper. Mm. And so I'm reminded constantly that weapons will be formed, no mm-hmm. matter how great my faith is, mm-hmm. weapons will be formed. Christ said, I will be afflicted. It's not if I am afflicted, it's when I'm afflicted. But he says, rejoice. And then I also like the fact that 
Solomon said in Proverbs, he says, a merry heart is good like medicine, Mm. but a bitter heart crushes the bones. So I go back to what you said. It's how you confront affliction. A resilient individual uses that adversity for their benefit, Mm -hmm. uh, for growth, not to debilitate, but to empower. And so there is a big difference between one and the other. And I think it's also connected also to growth mindset. Yes, absolutely, because a growth-minded person is going to take a challenge and actually try to overcome that challenge. They're not afraid to take risk. They're not afraid to face the adversity head-on and learn from it. And also, part of being growth-minded as well is to figure out how you're going to view your mistakes. You know, some people mm-hmm. see a mistake and they think that that's the end of the road, that's it for me. They right. make it as a part of their identity mm-hmm. instead of seeing it as just a moment. They messed up, that's it. We move from there, we move forward so that we can learn and grow from those mistakes. And so um, resilience and growth mindset definitely are interrelated. And I feel that if you're going to be a resilient person, you have to have a growth mindset about you so that you can overcome the struggles and difficulties that you're facing. Do do you think that uh, people are actually born with this mindset or are they, do they learn this mindset as they grow up? They, they learn this mindset, I think, subconsciously, depending on, you know, your upbringing, depending on what you learn from in school, and, and honestly, depending on how, the way that people treat you, um, you can have this type of mindset. And I was just actually reading something about this um, this week, and it talks about how we need to be careful with our words and how we praise people and even how we reprimand people. Because let's say, for example, your your kid messes mm-hmm. up and you say, you know what, you are unkind or you are grumpy. So the way that you um, the way that you told that child they make it as part of their identity. Like they're an unkind person or they're a grumpy person. Mm -hmm. Instead of that just being, you know what, you messed up, you were not kind in this situation or you were being grumpy in this situation. So instead of just focusing on the behavior, you focus on their identity. And so they have this mindset now that, oh no, I'm a grumpy person or I'm an unkind person. So subconsciously, yes, you learn that depending on your upbringing, but it's also something that you can overcome because you can replace those thoughts with something that's positive and constructive so you can grow. Wow. I think uh, the episode has come to an end. (laughs) That's all you need to know. I hope you were listening to that. That is everything in a golden nugget presented to you in just 30 seconds. <laughs> that was powerful. And Maria, don't even get me started when when talking about words and how it affects mm-hmm. the mindset and the subconscious mind. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, I'm a, I'm a firm believer. And once again, I go back to scripture. James talks about it. He says that, that the tongue, such a small organ, but yet has the power almost like the rudder on a ship to direct a ship, a vessel, a huge vessel to its port of call. And and, and words are like that. Mm -hmm. Our tongue, the Bible says, has the power to uh, bring life or death. And so you're absolutely right, you know, when she says that, you know, we need to be careful what we tell our kids because it's almost like putting a label on them. That subconsciously, this is sometimes what we don't understand. This, this this, This is what you don't learn in parenting, you know, 101, uh, you know, nobody teaches you about the subconscious mind. Nobody teaches you about the, the effects of a repetition 
of that word being repeated over and over and over again. I, I, I think I've told you before, Maria, that I was at the zoo one day and I happened to see a, a family and the father was getting after his uh, six-year-old. And he looks at his six-year-old. I, I kid you not, it was, a, it was a terrible moment. He looks at his six-year-old who was not, uh, you know, minding his dad. And uh, the dad says to him, man, he says, you know, dogs are more obedient than you are. He mm-hmm. told the kid, dogs are more obedient than you are. And that just, I, I'm gonna, I'll be honest with you, it broke my heart. It broke, not only did it break my heart, it wanted me to go break his face. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I'm, I'm, I'm telling you, it really, it bothered me so much because I know that that little boy was impacted by such harsh words. And, and I guess the question a lot of people ask is, can you remove that from the subconscious mind? You can remove it. It's, it's very difficult to remove mm-hmm. that because your subconscious thoughts, you can't necessarily just get rid of it, but you have to be able to replace that with something that's constructive. And so in order for us to replace those very negative thoughts, it takes time. You know, it doesn't happen overnight. It, ta- it happens over time. And so there has to be a lot of positive um, thoughts that need to replace those very negative and very destructive thoughts that you know a child may have had for for many years. And this is why in education as well, Milton, it's it's very important for educators or everyone really to remember that labeling a child with something with a behavior or an academic. Um, learning, uh, unique ability, it ha- we have to be careful with those because now the child is going to be carrying that with them. And in a way, they could make that as an excuse to not do well in school or to not behave well. And so we have to be careful with those labels because we don't want that to become a part of who the child is, become their identity. Let me, let me tell you that I have encountered uh, lots of adults, 20s, 30s, 40 years of age, that when they are faced with an issue in their life, when they're faced with a difficulty, uh, you know, they label themselves, they bring out that label. They'll say, well, I'm just, I was born poor, or I have ADD, or I'm somewhat dyslexic, or I'm just not a good learner or a good reader. I was never good at school. I'm, I'm just, I'm just stupid. I'm just plain dumb. I mean, how many times have you heard people label themselves that way. And it's not, those labels, those labels don't come from within. In other words, I'm sorry, Mm -hmm. those labels aren't, they're not birthed with those labels. Those labels are in them, but they're placed in them by other people and usually by the people that are the closest and the most important to them. So do you think that someone who lacks resilience or someone who does not have a growth mindset, uh, someone who was labeled uh, in their childhood years as, um, you know, dumb, as insufficient, inadequate, uh, not a quick learner or ADD, ADHD, you know, dyslexic, all these different labels that people place on children. Is, is there a way to undo and redo? In other words, can someone go from not having resilience to having resilience or from a fixed mindset to a growth mindset? Maria, is that even possible? It is possible. Um, One of the things that we all have to remember is that our brains, our minds are very, very powerful. One of the brain's superpowers is neuroplasticity. Neuroplasticity. Everybody say neuroplasticity. That's a big word. So neuroplasticity, if you're an educator out there, you probably know 
you've probably heard of neuroplasticity. Uh, for the rest of you, this might be a, pretty much a new term. And so, Maria, give us a definition. Tell us what exactly is neuroplasticity. All right. So neuroplasticity is the ability of the brain to reorganize itself both in structure and how it functions. Powerful stuff because a young man approached me at church one day. I had uh, preached a message and the, the, uh, the theme was on uh, transformation. And so Romans 12, 2, Paul says, the Apostle Paul says, to the Romans he writes, he says, don't conform to the ways of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may test and approve God's perfect, pleasing, good will for your life. So this young man approached me and he says to me, he says, hey, pastor, um, I have a quick question for you. He must have been about 23, 24 years old. He says, I've, I've been told by my, by my doctors that because I was addicted to, to crack, he says, and he says, I've been sober for, I've been clean, he says, for, for a year now, but they told me that because I had been doing it for such a long time that I killed so many brain cells and that those brain cells were gone, they weren't going to regenerate, that I, was, that, that I wasn't whole anymore, that I was going to have difficulty learning and all these things. He says, is it true? And of course, I'm not a neuroscientist. My background is in psychology. But when I looked at him in the eyes and I said, they've lied to you, son. You have been lied to. Your brain has this, you called it a superpower. Mm -hmm. It has this superpower and it's called neuroplasticity. And that means that the brain, your brain can reorganize in both structure and the way that it functions. Maria, I can't even tell you, you know, how this young man reacted. I mean, he, he cried. Uh, there was a sense of relief. I could tell that he had been filled with, with hope because... Mm -hmm. He thought that his life was over. So, Maria, did you ever, you know, have the same idea that brain cells, once they were dead, they were dead and they would not regenerate? Did you ever hear that theory in the past? I mean, growing up, do you remember that? I do. I do remember that. Um, we were told that when we did certain things or when we ate certain things that it would kill brain cells. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Even eating certain things, right? Yes. <laughs> eating certain things, drinking certain things, you know, that you would kill brain cells and that those brain cells, they would be dead and mm -hmm. never come back to life again. And which, exactly. of course, those brain cells don't come back to life again. Mm -hmm. But, and here's the big but, okay? The big but is that they do regenerate, okay? They yeah. do regenerate. Just like the cells on your skin, we're constantly losing dead skin cells, but we're regenerating new ones. And so neurogenesis basically establishes that there is a continuous generation of new neurons or brain cells in certain brain regions. And so these brain cells are constantly, they're constantly uh, regenerating. And so there, there is hope for those, those of you who are listening right now that maybe you were ad addicted to drugs or maybe you were addicted to some kind of a substance or alcohol or, or, or simply smoking cigarettes, mm. and you were told that it was over. And, and it also applies to not just people with vices and bad habits, but it also applies to people who are constantly maybe overthinking and ruminating on very you know, toxic thoughts and, and things like that. And so you can definitely still renew your mind from those um, toxic thoughts that you have habitually been um, creating in your mind. That's true. That's true. And, and so when you, when you say that, and of course you, you just mentioned the word renew, uh, we mm -hmm. go back to that uh, verse from Romans, renewing of the mind, 
which is is a powerful verse that uh, it, it's just a few words, but has a very powerful meaning. Mm-hmm. And if we constantly seek to renew our mind, we will constantly produce different outcomes, you know, and, and uh, so whatever you think about the most will grow. You know, we've heard Dr. Caroline Leaf talk about that. Whatever you think about grows. So can, can you expand on, uh, you know, the, I want to talk about synapses, you know, the, the, the connection between neurons, mm-hmm. you know, how do we create more connections? How can someone, you've probably heard the term old dogs don't learn new tricks, Right? Yes. Okay. Well, let me tell you guys, I'm an old dog sitting next to a young one. <laughs> because let me tell you that I'm a lot older than, than Maria, and uh, but I've learned from her as much as she's learned from me. And so a lot of older people, Maria, think, well, I'm too old to learn. Well, I would think that um, in order for really anybody to learn, I, th- I think it really goes back to mindset and what you think about how you how you learn and how you think and then of course and how you teach others to think but I think it has to go back to mindset are you a growth-minded person are you someone who is going to take on challenges and it also the way that you view mistakes do you see that as something that's the end of the rope or are you going to accept that and then learn from that so it really has to go back to that to the mindset and the renewing of the mind as it talks about in Romans that renewing of the mind is really also talks about that mindset as well. There has to be a transformation, not not just in your mind, but also within your life as well. And so you have to be intentional. Intentionality is one of my favorite words, and you know that by now. Uh, You know, I've always told people that in order to get from point A to point B, or in order to really uh, see transformation happen in your life, you have to have three elements present. And one of them is intentionality, and that is being able to see yourself doing that one thing whatever it is. Uh, you know, let's uh, let's say that somebody has this goal in their life that they want to climb Mount Kilimanjaro or Mount Aconcagua or maybe uh, make it all the way to the summit of Everest. I mean, that's just an example, of course. It could be bigger or it could be smaller than that. But the first thing that you need to have is intentionality. In other words, you have to be able to see yourself doing that one thing. You have to see yourself climbing the mountain. You have to see yourself doing it. And the second element that you have to have is discipline. And this is the the discipline to get started. You you have to you have to get up and you start working out, getting ready, preparing, learning, training, getting ready for that moment. And the last element is of course consistency. So whatever you do repeatedly over time, repeatedly over and over and over, you will be really good at. See, Malcolm Gladwell talks about the 10,000 hours in his book, Outliers. He says that if you want to be a master at your craft, you have to do it for 10,000 hours. 10,000 hours is it's a, it's a lot of hours, by the way. 10,000 hours seems really overwhelming. And you know what it reminds me of? It reminds me of the time when I was growing up and I was forced to play the piano and practice playing the piano for several hours. Yeah, well, you don't know this, guys, but she is an accomplished <laughs> pianist. And so she plays the piano. And so, okay, so tell us about your upbringing and having to practice for several hours. Yes. So, you know, it really started as a desire. I wanted to play because my aunt was playing the piano all the time. And so I wanted to to, to become like her. And and so my parents uh, took me and they got me some a piano. And at that time, I was taking piano lessons. And so because they got me a piano, which was, of course, very expensive, they told me that I couldn't quit. 
that I had to keep practicing, that I had to keep playing that. And so I did. And I, I didn't like it sometimes. But now I'm very grateful that they forced me to do that because now, even today, you know, it's it's part of the way that, that I relax, that I, I, I like it a lot. It's it's very calming for me. And so that has now those 10,000 hours, I guess, of have practicing have, <laughs> I know, have really paid off. Okay, well, that's, the, you know, as you've said this skill that you learned, how old were you, by the way, when you learned this skill? I was seven or eight. It was okay, in second okay. grade, yes. So, so let me just kind of land the plane a little bit, you know, with what Maria was saying right now. We were talking about, you know, the concept of neurogenesis, and that is that our neurons are constantly regenerating, especially in certain regions of the brain. But also, um, let me talk about, you know, uh, the term. The term is synapsis. Mm. And again, these terms might be uh, completely uh, new to you. Synapsis is is. Uh, is synonymous to connection. And so to a connection between neurons or brain cells, you know, mainly the neurons. And so you have this connection that occurs. And so as you practice a new skill, as Maria did with the piano for 10,000 hours to become a master at her craft, as Malcolm Gladwell says. So as you practice a new skill, you create a new synapsis or a new connection. Think about your brain and think about, I mean, picture just if you could get this mental picture, right, Maria? Just a mental picture of all these brain cells or these neurons in your brain. Some of them connected, some of them are not connected, kind of like connecting the dots. But the more you focus on one particular new skill, the more you practice it, the greater and the stronger the connection is. More connections means more potential, okay? More connections, more potential. And so basically, that one thing becomes becomes a habit. And, you know, I'm talking about really, uh, you know, activities that will make you think, uh, problem solve. You know, it might cause you a little bit of a headache, you know, putting a puzzle together, working out some math problems, doing some Sudoku. I mean, something that's going to make you think, reading a book, Something complex, something that uh, is a little uncomfortable. Maria, what what would you say it takes uh, an individual to break an old habit? We were talking about Mm -hmm. mindsets a while ago. Break a mindset and establish a totally new mindset. I mean, we've been told that it takes how long? Um, Research says that it takes about 21 days to break a habit. But if you really want to make sure that it's established, it takes 63 days. 63 days. Think about it, guys. A lot of people give up on the second week. Yes. Come on. 63 days of mm. doing what? The same thing. Over and over again. And, you know, we we can, I guess, make a connection with this with resolutions because, mm-hmm. you know, we entered a new year, 2021, and, and we always have this question as to why is it that a lot of people break their resolutions the first week? Well, that's because they're because of their mindset. You know, they they haven't really renewed their minds to to make sure that they're intentional about it, and so they're focusing on that behavior instead of focusing on the mindset of wanting to really do something. And don't even get me started when it comes to resolutions, Maria. Yeah. Don't even get me <laughs> I started know, because I, I, I get really you know a little frustrated when people get frustrated on the second week and they're giving up <laughs> on their resolutions. Number one, I, I have a confession to make. I have a confession to make. I don't ever have New Year's resolutions. I have a what? confession. I know. <laughs> I know. And, and and you guys listening, those of you who know me, you're probably thinking, seriously? 
<laughs> seriously. Well, yes, seriously. And let me tell you what I do. I have resolutions every day. I am resolute every day. Yes. I have new goals every day. I don't wait for the new year. That's a cop-out, my friend. Mm-hmm. That is a cop-out. You need to wake up every morning. But anyways, but let me go back to the yes. resolution because <laughs> that's a whole nother podcast. That's a whole nother episode. Getting up in the morning or, or starting a new year with resolutions, if you don't write those things down, if you don't write down your resolutions, if you don't come up with a plan, you, you, do you remember, Maria, when we talked about SMART goals? Mm-hmm. We, we, we define you know, SMART goals as, as specific, measurable, attainable, realistic, and time-bound. If, if our goals don't fall into that, uh, that process, that mm-hmm. SMART goal process, then we won't see them come to fruition. Yeah. So, so let us go back to what Maria was saying right now. She was saying 60, how many days? 63 days. 63 days. 63 yeah. days to set a new habit. 63 days. That's a, that's a good chunk of days. Mm-hmm. Usually we, we think about 21 days, don't even make it to 21 days. You know, if you're going to do the 63 days, you have to have a plan. So as she was saying the 63 days, we, we create new habits and that's what we call new synapses. That's a new connection. Now, there are synapses in our mind, in our brain that we have to strengthen through the repetition or the practice of that one thing, okay? And so we strengthen it. If we want to, you know, if we want to be better at uh, problem solving or doing math problems, what do we do? We do more math problems, right? We do more math problems. If, if we want to run a marathon, do we, do we stop? And you're a marathon runner, Maria. Do we stop at a 5K? Oh, no. And when we're training, okay, this last this last marathon that you ran, where where did you run that marathon, by the way? It's I ran it in Houston. Okay, yeah. So so in Houston, and how many months prior to the race did you train? Oh goodness, I started um, the race was in January, so I started training in August the previous year. So in six August. months, I okay. think. Okay, okay. Yeah. So six months. Now, for those of you out there who don't know. Uh, you know, what a marathon is. A lot of people will come to us and say, hey guys, I ran a marathon. <laughs> and, and we look at them and go, really? I, we didn't know there was a marathon. Where did you run it? Oh, I ran the marathon, you know, uh, the local one. Oh no, that was a 5K, my friend. That, that, was, that was actually 3.1 miles. Maria, <laughs> please tell our listeners how, how many miles a oh, marathon is. A marathon is 26 Point two miles. Don't ever leave out running. the point two. Don't ever leave that out because it really upsets me when people say it's twenty six miles. No, it's twenty six point two because those point two, Maria, mm-hmm. are the toughest they, ones. Oh goodness, yes. are the toughest ones. This has nothing to do with today's episode, but let yeah. me tell you, I was running New York, and I was point two miles away from the finish line. It was freezing cold. I was in shorts, a tank top. I had I, I didn't have a jacket on. I was running. There were a million people cheering us on, and there was a guy mm-hmm. 2.2 miles away from the finish line. He was, of course, not a runner. He was a spectator. He was wearing this very nice, very, very nice Patagonia jacket. And this is, no, not a commercial for Patagonia. But he was wearing a nice, you know, fluffy, one of those fluffy jackets. He had on a beanie. Look really warm in one hand. He had a Dunkin' Donuts coffee. No, this is not a commercial for Dunkin' Donuts. And and I know that you're probably right now craving Dunkin' Donuts because in his other hand, he had a jelly donut. And this guy looks at me, Maria, and he says, come on, man, finish strong. (laughs) I can't even tell you how angry he made me feel. I was like, really? You have no idea how I'm feeling. 0.2 miles away. So, So you train from August 
August, six months. Yes. And how many miles would you say that you ran during those six months? Oh my goodness. I, I can't even tell you. I think I had to run about 20 miles per week. So what does that mean? Do now, the math. 20 miles I, per I, week. I You're talking about 80. I, I think that lot. when when you were running, I think we talked about about 100 miles a month is what yeah. you were running on. Yeah. And, and, uh, and so Maria basically ran anywhere from five to 600 miles. Listen, Hmm. Five to six hundred miles to run at twenty six point two mile race. Yes. As crazy as that may sound, this 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 goes back to synapses. <clears throat> mm-hmm. She was doing the same thing over and over and over, creating a new habit over mm-hmm. and over and over and over, and that's how you do it. Yeah. It doesn't just happen, guys. You don't go from point A to point B while sitting down. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that has to go into it. And, and another thing that people need to know as well is that I never really considered myself as a runner. It was just something that I liked doing. I loved it. It helped me to relax. But I never really imagined that I could do something like that. So it was one, it was a, an, an intentionality. I had to be consistent about it. I had to determine within myself and resolve within myself that I was going to do this. And that helped me. That mindset helped me to accomplish that. That's right. And, and before before that race, I mean, she had already run several 5Ks, several 10Ks, several half marathons, and now she's thinking about Chicago. It doesn't end. Okay, so so the success behind a marathon really isn't the 600 miles that she ran. Yeah. The success, the key, is the mindset. Yeah. That's 80%. Guys, you have to, like she said, she used the word resolve. You have to resolve that you are going to do it. My favorite three statements, I can, I will, I must. Mm-hmm. I can, I will, I must. You know, you have to resolve that you're going to do it. You have to believe that you can do it. And then you have to do it. Mm-hmm. You got to do it. And so 80% is really your psychology. 20% is training, grit, uh, your, your, your skill, your, your you know, tenacity, all of that. But psychology, your mindset is, is a huge chunk of it. Mm-hmm. And don't forget resilience. Resilience is what keeps you from, uh, from dropping out of the race. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yes. a lot, of, a lot of. <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you, and 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 respect for all those people who are out there trying, and uh, but some of them give up along the way, and they end up having to to be bust to the finish line. Mm-hmm. And uh, let me tell you, one of the most glorious moments. I, I can't even tell you. It's like the. It, it was when you cross the finish line, mm-hmm. right, Maria? You cross the finish line, and it's almost like the heavens open up, and you hear the angels <laughs> on their trumpets, and the and and the choir yeah. of angels going, <laughs> as you're crossing that so finish line. True. It is amazing. Yeah. So let's get back on track with what we're yeah, talking yeah. about here, Maria. So <laughs> I want to kind of wrap it up with this. The strengthening the synapses, that connection is, like Maria was saying, the running the 600 miles, she was strengthening that connection. And that's what happens in our mind. We Mm -hmm. strengthen a habit. We strengthen a connection. The more we think about that thing, the more we do that one thing, we strengthen the connection. Now, there's connections that need to be strengthened, and there are connections that need to be weakened. Mm -hmm. The ones that need to be weakened are the ones that do us no good. Those habits, those vices, those things that get in the way, that trip us up along the way, those are the ones that we need to weaken. So let me just give you a pictorial analogy. I want you to think about this, guys. If you're sitting there somewhere, close your eyes. If you're driving, please do not close your eyes. But if you're sitting somewhere, close your eyes and think about this. Think about a forest and think about walking a trail. So as you walk a forest, there are trails that you're, you're, you're trekking along that are well-defined. They are their ruts. They're ruts in the ground. 
and you can tell that they've been that they've been traversed on because there's no grass growing it's just dirt and you take that trail because you know beyond a shadow of a doubt that hundreds if not thousands of people have walked that same that same trail well the more you repeat that one thought think about that connection in your mind like that trail it creates a mental rut you think about it you always go to that thought whether it's a thought that debilitates or a thought that empowers. But the more you think about it, the greater the rut, the deeper the rut becomes. Now, how do you weaken a thought that you don't want to have anymore? Well, you stop thinking about it. So think about that same trail along the forest. If you were to stop, if everyone stopped walking that trail, eventually erosion would cover up the trail, grass would grow, and you would have to start a new trail. Is it hard at the beginning because you can't tell where the trail ends or where it starts because there's grass and there's weed? But the more you walk on it, the more you walk over it, the more defined it becomes. As it rains, as it gets muddy and you walk over it, you create ruts, the deeper the rut over time. And so you create a new what? A new connection or a new neural pathway. And so I want to encourage you, I want to encourage you today that, that you would really stop and analyze what are those thoughts, what are those connections that you need to weaken, what are those connections that you need to strengthen, and be filled with hope, knowing that you can do this. Maria talked about it, about renewing. You can do it. Maria, can, can people go from a state of not having resilience to having resilience? Yes, they can. You mm-hmm. can do it. There is a way to do it. And and part of it too is just not giving up. You know, you can't quit once you trying to do something and you just feel like you can't do it. You have to be intentional and resolve in yourself and tell yourself that you can do it. So don't quit. That's it. That's that's the greatest word of encouragement. The word that she has repeated several times. Yeah. If you've paid attention, it's two R's resilience and resolve. Guys, I want to leave you with that. Resilience and resolve. You need to have that resilience to never give up and you have to resolve to do that one thing that you've never done before. Every year, just think about it. And every year that you look at it, it scares the living daylights out of you because you think you're going to fail. You've got to be resilient enough to do it, not give up, And you need to resolve to start. So be intentional, be disciplined, and consistent. Maria, thank you so much for having shared this time with us today with all of of our listeners. I hope that we can have you around uh, once again. And I have to say this. I'm going to hold you accountable, Maria. Guys, I'm going to hold her accountable. Listen. First, I want you to to, uh, look her up on, on Instagram. Her, her Instagram handle is Maria N, as in Nancy, Bridwell, B-R-I-D-W-E-L-L. I will actually attach her, her link to the show notes so that you can click on it and follow her on Instagram. She's got some really good things. Hey, she's got some really cool reels too. Really <laughs> cool reels. And But I'm going to hold her accountable. She is soon to start her own podcast. And, <laughs> yeah. and this podcast is going to be especially, I mean, it's for everyone, but especially for people in education. 
for educators, whether you are a principal, an administrator, a teacher, a paraprofessional, or a, a, a student of education. You want to follow her podcast. They're going to be powerful episodes, lots to learn from, lots of growth. So, Marie, I'm holding you accountable. Give us a date. Come on, give us a date. Tell us, is it one week? Is it two weeks? Is it three weeks? I'm really wanting to start it in February, so that's about about two weeks. About two weeks. Guys, let's hold her accountable. So put it down on your calendars February 1st. Shoot her a message, a DM through Instagram, and say, hey, hey, we're waiting. (laughs) So, guys... Thank you once again so much. You know, as always, appreciate your attention, your following, appreciate who you are. Wish you the best. Love you, love you, love you in Christ. God bless you guys. Goodbye.